Mark chapter number 12. Mark chapter number 12, we'll begin reading at verse number 41. The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse number 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Gracious Heavenly Father, please help us now as we study your word. I pray that we would, although be very familiar with this passage, may we focus in and see if there is something else that maybe your Holy Spirit could reveal to us about this woman's faith as she gave her offering. Lord, please help us now, I ask. Please help me uh, clearly communicate the truth of your word, I ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, it's been said your attitude will oftentimes determine your altitude. I believe that. That's why there's a, hot, a little balloon on the screen. That's the connection there. There's a balloon, and it's going up. That, sometimes I make a slide for Dad, and he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's my attitude. That's, that's what it is. Uh, but sometimes I make a slide for Dad, and he looks at me and he's like, I don't get it, Andrew. That doesn't make any sense. It's not applicable to my sermon. But that's what the balloon stands for. Your attitude determines your altitude. And I believe that. Let me ask you, more than what you give, do you think that how you give to God makes a difference? More than just the... Uh, the uh, Offering you give, maybe the way in which you offer it matters greatly to God. I believe it does, and I believe through the study that I've done in the Bible, um, there's a lot that the Bible has to say, not only about the offering that we give, but the spirit in which we are to give these offerings. There are uh, many passages uh, about offerings that are often preached, this being one of them. Um, And many times the... Uh, message uh, implies or focuses on the amount given. But, but over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to look not at the amount given, because the amount varies by story, but more so the way in which the giver of the offering is expected to give it to the Lord. Now, you can ask any parent of any teenager if just obedience is what you expect, or whether the attitude in which that teenager obeys has some uh, indication or some determination on whether or not it is pleasing to the parent. For instance, the parent may say something like, now when I get home I want this room cleaned. And the teenager may say something like this, yes ma'am, or yes sir. I mean, I've never seen that happen in a teenager's life, um, but there's a potential that that could happen. Or the teenager could say it like this. Ugh. 
Okay, okay, okay. Are y'all with me? It is not just obedience that makes an offering acceptable. But the attitude in which the offering is given or performed matters a lot. I read a story about a chaplain who was given the uh, job to deliver the news to an amputee there at a battlefield that his uh, leg had been lost in war. As the amputee woke up from the anesthesia and all uh, kind of groggy, there stood the chaplain. The chaplain looked at the young man and said, Young man, I'm sorry to inform you, but you lost your leg in this great battle. And even though the effects of the drugs were still upon him, he looked up at the chaplain with great resolve and said, I did not lose my leg. I gave it. See, the way in which we offer ourselves our offerings to the Lord matters a great deal. So I want to tonight study this woman's offering. And I want to see if her attitude maybe somehow pleased the Lord greater than the attitude of those that were giving. Number one, I want to notice with you tonight, the lookout of the Lord. The lookout of the Lord. Verse number 41, the Bible says, And Jesus set over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. First of all, I want to notice tonight, the Lord is concerned how people give. As busy as our Lord's ministry was, going from town to town, place to place, to perform miracles, to to preach the gospel, it is as if He comes to a pause here, And he stands over and watches everyone give. And the Bible does not say he's concerned about the amount that they give. He's not concerned about the direction or the place that they give it. He is concerned simply with, what what does the Bible say? How they give. The Lord is concerned with how we give our offerings. When I was a young man, and I understand that this is not the proper attitude to have, But every time I placed my offering into the offering plate, I wanted the ushers to see me. I wanted them to take note that I was giving to the Lord. And why, you say, why is that? Well, because I wanted them to know how spiritual I was at such a young age. That's why. My mom quickly broke me of this uh, trait. She, she taught me through various uh, methods like beatings and uh, whippings and scourgings. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But as a young child, isn't there something inside of you that wants to be recognized for doing good? Absolutely. But as an adult, we get to the point where we realize, uh, and we'll get to this message later on in the series, but... You have to give it with some humility or certainly the Lord cannot be pleased with that offering. And so we as adults, let's admit it though, still like to be recognized when we do things good. Whether it's down at the workplace or whether it's uh, at home when, when dad fixes a good piece of meat on the grill... It's nice to hear your wife say, Honey, I, I believe that's the best steak I've eaten in the last day. But it's nice to be applauded sometimes. But Christian, what we have to realize is, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. 
And many times this verse is used to almost fear Christians or scare Christians into obedience or submission. But the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil, listen, and the good. And you say, well, the Lord certainly couldn't be so uh, personal to really focus in on how I give my offering. I promise you, He stands over as if He watched this woman's offering given. He stands over every time you place something in the offering. And if it's done in the right attitude, in the right spirit, and it's done consulting Him on what you should give, I believe wholeheartedly the Lord stands pleased at the offering that you give. The Lord is concerned how you give. Secondly, the Lord is cognizant of your possessions. The Lord is cognizant of your possessions. Verse 41, the Bible says, And beheld how the people cast in to the treasury. Notice, And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. I find this uh, uh, worth teaching tonight that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the author of this book takes time to note that there were two different distinctions of people at the the place of the treasury this day. The Bible tells us there were rich people and there were poor people. And certainly I believe that you could even uh, uh, submit or uh, ascertain from the passage that the Lord understood that there were two classes of people there that day. The rich and the poor. You say, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, it has to do with you and the fact that the Lord knows the amount of your possessions. The most common excuse I have heard for people dismissing themselves from tithing and from giving offerings, they say, well, I just don't have it right now. Well, that lie may be good enough for you to get me off your back. But the lie that you simply don't have the faith or the funds to submit to the Lord in tithing and specifically in offerings, that doesn't get God off your back. Because He knows the account balance of your checking account even better than you do. But also, on the flip side of that coin, not only does He know what you have, But if you say, well, Brother Andrew, I just don't have that much. You don't understand. I'm not like some other people. I can't just give and give and give. I have limited funds available to me. You know what the Bible says? The Lord knows that too. The Lord doesn't expect the poor to carry His cause. In fact, the Lord instructs many times for those within the church to put their coats on the poor and to comfort the poor and help the poor. But the Lord expects that the poor would participate. The Lord knows what you have. And He understands what your limitations are. But I, I have to say, let's get rid of this idea that the Lord will dismiss me just simply because I don't have it. That doesn't occur in Scripture Not only do we need to look at the lookout of the Lord, secondly, and we'll move through this rather quickly, secondly, the lesson of the Lord. Now, I like this, verse 43, notice with me, the opportunity that this lady created. Verse 43, the Bible says, And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in. 
I love this. The fact that our Lord stands aside and watches all day people come in and bring a lot of money. Rich people coming in and and, and showing everybody the, the amount that they are willing to give to the cause of the Lord. But this one widow lady brings in what she can. And instead of the Lord just inside of his thoughts saying, that is how it should be done. This is what he does. Men, disciples, gather round. I want to show you someone who will never receive glory this side of heaven that literally heaven is applauding for at this moment. He says, guys, gather round. I'm sure when that man earlier walked in with that large checkbook, I'm sure when that person earlier came in with the keys to that vehicle, that chariot, I don't know, do chariots have keys? I'm not really sure. Yours does, right. Uh, I I don't know how he would have worded it, but he would have said something like, "Uh, Judas, I know you, and you were probably just overwhelmed that somebody would give that amount to the Lord. But I'm telling you right now, none of them were worth the example that I'm able to make of this lady. The opportunity that she created for our Lord to use her as an object lesson. There's another man in the Bible. He's a centurion who our Lord uses as an object lesson. Actually, these both have one thing in common in the fact that they're both used as object lessons of total faith. You see, this centurion, the Bible says, gathers the Jewish elders. Now, this is unique that a Roman centurion would have such a good relationship with Jewish elders that he could request for them to approach Jesus and they would ask of the Lord what he was requesting. But that's what the story tells us. Not only does this man have that relationship, but once these Jewish elders approach our Lord, you know what they say? They look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, this man's servant is very sick, and if anybody's worthy of this type of miracle, this man is. Well, maybe Jesus was kind of wondering why, and they say, he loves our nation, but this man is not a Jew. He's a Roman. And yet he loved the Jewish people. And may we understand that the Lord blessed this man probably as a direct result of his faith, but also because of his love for Israel. You bless Israel, God will bless you. Make sure and pray that our country stays on the right side of that uh, uh, coin. But here we are, this man has such a great relationship with these Jewish elders. They approach Jesus and they say, He loves our nation. But not only does He love our nation, He loves it so much, He built us a synagogue. And so, Jesus goes with them to His house. On the way to his house, this man realizes what's happening. Maybe he looks up the road and sees Jesus with his entourage of people that uh, he sent for Jesus. The Bible tells us that this Roman centurion sends out friends from his home to stop Jesus. Y'all all all know the story, but I'm I'm reciting it for maybe a clarification in your memory. They go to Jesus and they say, this is what the man says. The reason he did not come to you in the first place is because he did not feel worthy to come to you. And now he still does not feel worthy that you would enter his roof, but he knows that if you'll just speak the words, his servant will be healed. Jesus says, I have not found so great a faith 
No, not in Israel. You know what that man's object lesson was? It was you did not have to be a Jew to have great faith in God. Amen. You know what the widow's object lesson was? You do not have to have great riches to have great faith in God. In fact, the riches oftentimes dilute and, uh, if you will, uh, hurt our faith in the Lord because we trust in uncertain riches as opposed to trusting in the certain almighty hand of God. Her lesson was simply this. He gathered his disciples around and he says, guys, I want you to understand it's not about the amount that you give, but it's in the spirit that you give it and the way that you give it. That's a tremendous lesson that this woman gave our Lord to teach. First of all, the opportunity she created for our Lord. Secondly, the opinion he conveyed as he taught. Verse 43, the Bible says that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now, I'm sure as he taught these men, they thought in the back of their minds, well, Lord, that's simply not accurate. I watched earlier today as some of these rich men would enter the synagogue with tremendous sums of money, and, and they made certain everyone knew it, but they cast in, and I remember counting, and they were far more than what this widow gave. And to me, as I've studied this passage, I wonder if the Lord was not meaning she cast in her very faith. Maybe our Lord never meant she cast more in in finances. Maybe He was saying she cast herself into that treasury that day. She placed her hand, herself into the hands of God when she took it all out of her hands and she placed her faith in God. Regardless of whether you believe that or not, our Lord looks at them and says, she gave more than everyone else today. I was convicted yesterday as my wife informed me that our four-year-old girl class brings in an offering every single week. Oh, just change. Just change. Most of the time a handful or a cup that's partially full, and they bring it in. Yesterday, my wife was doing a, a, a year-end giving records. And she was going through telling me what all you bums gave. It was terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But she looked at me because Miss Blair, the teacher, had asked for the sum total of this. And I was amazed to find out that our four-year-old girls' class, bringing change each week, gave over $123 in one year. See, our Lord looks at that and says, they have given so much. Those girls have no income. The amount of money that they get is oftentimes probably from their CEO, uh, the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> and yet, our Lord looks at that with great esteem and says, they have given so much. I wonder if in our Lord's eyes we would compete with those four-year-old girls to the amount in which we've given to our Lord and the way in which we have given our offering. You see, the opinion He conveyed. We've seen the lesson of the Lord. We've seen the lookout of the Lord. Thirdly, this is very important. I want you to see this. The logic of our Lord. Now, the, the sermon title tonight is Faith Giving versus formulated giving. 
And I have not yet touched on that because really here is the crux of the message. You see, it is our logic that oftentimes limits our faith. Our logic reasons within ourselves. We take calculator and pen to what we can afford. And then, then we write it all down and we budget our Lord in. And, and there we are with a sum total of what we can possibly give. And that is formulated giving. But this woman does not do that. Amen. She gives it all. She gives her everything. I want you to notice two thoughts and we'll be done this evening. First of all, our Lord teaches about the fraction remaining. See, our Lord says in verse 44, For all they did cast in of their abundance. You see, Jesus teaches this concept that uh, He does not base our offerings upon the amount received, but rather on the amount retained. Oftentimes, and I have to say I'm as guilty as the next person, I sit down to perceive what I can possibly give and still make ends meet. But that's not what this lady did. And the offering which pleases our Lord is one that places ourselves into God's hands and out of our own hands. You see, the lesson you heard this morning in Sunday school was the place of our faith in stewardship. You cannot be a good steward unless you have faith that your Lord's materials that He's given you are valuable to Him, are of some great concern to Him. And when you have that thought, you begin to take it more seriously. This woman was a tremendous steward in the sense that she gave it over to the one who owned it all and took it out of her weak and frail hands. Now see, she, the Lord taught on the faith, uh, or, or He taught on the fraction remaining. Secondly, and we're done, the faith resignation. The faith resignation. You see, He says... For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Number one, I want to point out one word to you, but she of her want. Now when we're very young, people try to tell us the difference between our wants and our needs. Right at Christmas time, they try to make our wants and our needs very distinguished. And I've noticed the older that you get, the less, need, the less wants you get at Christmas time, and the more needs you get at Christmas time. For instance, it seems like I get underwear and blue jeans for Christmas every year now. When used to is PlayStations and rifles and all this stuff that I wanted. Now I just get needs, you know, the restocking of my wardrobe. But as a society, we are very good at confusing our wants and our needs. A few ways that we might be able to tell this evening whether we have surpassed our needs is if your car parks itself, talks to you, or tells you how to get where you're going, we may have surpassed our need. Amen. <laughs> Well, you needed that. 
I'll let y'all preach if you want. If your watch serves as a fitness tracker, alarm clock, daily planner, and telecommunications device, we may have surpassed our needs. If your television is smarter than you, you may have surpassed your needs. If your boat drives faster and smoother than your wife's vehicle, you may have surpassed your needs. And ladies, if your purse costs more than your family's weekly grocery bill, you too may have surpassed your need. I like how y'all like the boat one, but as soon as I talk about women's bags, I got on the wrong track. But notice, and while those are somewhat comical, have we not in America been advertised to the point where you need this? Boy, a new phone comes out, you need this. And I'll tell you what, it's crazy to me how my phone starts going on the fritz the week Apple releases a new phone. Y'all notice that too? It's working flawlessly. iPhone 8. Just saying. But we are advertised to the point where, oh, your old stuff is no good today. I saw a 2017 Ford F-150 commercial, or 2018 Ford F-150 commercial. You know what I realized? All the stuff that they were advertising is currently in the 2016 Ford F-150s. And I thought to myself, you're just advertising to tell me I need something that I probably don't need. This woman was willing to give above her wants. And honestly, a lot of times we simply aren't. We want things, we budget things in, we plan for things, or we finance things to get our wants. And all the while, our Lord looks back and says, are you telling me that was more important than making an eternal difference in the kingdom of God? Not only did she go beyond her wants, she started getting into her need. See, this is where faith really comes in. The Bible says she gave all her living. This really reminds me of the widow who says to the prophet, I only have this little bit of cake and this little bit of oil and I am going to make it for my son and I and we are about to die. That is, I wonder if in the back of this widow's mind she had not resigned herself to the fact that once she gave this, she probably had eaten her last meal. She got into her need. Are we willing to get out of our wants, surpass our wants, and go into our needs to please the Lord with our offering? See, the attitude in which you give it has to be an attitude of faith. An attitude that says, Lord, I'm I'm not formulating my offering I'm not sitting down and seeing to myself what's, what's available, what's acceptable. If the bonus comes in, if the promotion comes through, then I'll be able to make ends meet. But if we are truly being able to place ourselves out of our logic and our intellect and our experience and our ability to manage, and we place ourselves in the hands of an Almighty God and say, Lord, I give to you everything that you ask for, and I'll trust you for everything that comes down the pike. That is truly when we are giving an offering with an attitude of faith. A few months back, I sat down and I started to budget out with more uh, uh, 
relevant figures. You see your figures change each year. Your insurance goes up. You all notice that every year your insurance goes up? I'm terribly confused. It'll be in the millennial reign. If insurance continue to go up, we're going to be paying a lot of money in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if we'll need insurance in heaven, though, to be honest with you. But, but that wasn't funny, I realize. Nobody laughed. So, uh, but, but, you know, I, I sat down and began to budget and I began to plan. And certainly I budgeted in our tithe. It was the first thing that I did. I, I budgeted in what we would give to the Lord. But I'm afraid when it comes to our offerings, that is the exact same approach we take. See, I wanted to make sure that everything on that paper came out where I was saving money, where I was in the black. But that's oftentimes how we give to our God. We expect our tax return to come in, so we give in expectation of that. And then we count that the Lord's blessing. This morning as preacher preached, I heard that term, true riches. If riches are not mammon, what are true riches? I wonder if true riches are not a harmonious home. I wonder if true riches is not your children loving you and respecting you as they ought to. I wonder if true riches have nothing to do with the bottom figure on the on the, uh, on the checking account. I wonder if true riches are something that money simply cannot buy. Amen. And I wonder if that's something that only God can give. Amen. Well, when we start to get out of this mindset that as long as I've got my nest egg, my security blanket, all will be good, all the while we're dealing with problems at home, we're dealing with people that we can't see saved, we're dealing with all of these issues, our life is in tumult, but as long as we've got our money, oh, we've missed out on true riches. Because true riches are joy. True riches are effective ministry. See, wouldn't it be something if when we went to knock on doors, we actually saw fruit that remains? I wonder if that's not a true rich. I wonder if that's not God saying, you've honored me by giving an offering in faith. Let me just say, offerings that are given in faith are not just about money. Just like stewardship is not about money. An offering that is given in faith is truly saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get done with the family time. I don't know how I'm going to get done with the work that I have to do but I will designate my life to you. I will give you the time that you deserve, and I will be the person that you need me to be as long as you need me to be it, and then I'll worry about all the other stuff later. That is truly giving an offering of faith. It's giving an offering of yourself in faith. What is the true rich? The, the, The thing that you need the most in your life right now. You say, Brother Andrew, my wife and I, We aren't getting along like we used to. Some of you may be saying, Brother Andrew, I simply don't feel close to the Lord. I would love to, and there have been times in my life where I did feel that, but I don't at this moment. Somebody in the room may be saying, Brother Andrew, honestly, I I cannot get victory over sin. As much as I've tried, I'm doing my best. It's an uphill battle every day, but it seems like I'm always on the losing side of the battle. When we start to give offerings of faith to our God, 
He is the one that starts to pour out blessings from heaven, as Malachi puts it, that we can't even contain. More than we can handle. And I wonder if, like a saucer running over, our blessings don't start to pour out on those around us. For instance, fathers, if you start to honor God with your life, maybe you'll start to see God's blessings pour down upon your children and upon your wife. Budgeting God in does not please Him. These men coming with their great lump sums of money and giving it to God and saying, Oh Lord, look what I've done for you. The Lord says, I don't need your attitude and I certainly don't need your pride. And your money is useless to me now. And yet this one woman comes in, drops just nothing in regards of the building that she is in and the need of the day, and our Lord uses her as the all-time example for giving. And I'll tell you what's probably the saddest part of this story. The next chapter starts with His disciples leaving the temple, and it's like they missed the lesson entirely. They leave and they say, Lord, look at this beautiful temple. You see, even after this amazing lesson of faith, they leave the temple and they're still worried about things. God has never and never will need things to see people saved and see His kingdom move forward for the glory of God. Do not be the Christian who, like the disciples, leave this sermon and say, well, I'm just going to have to figure out what I've got to give to God. I'm just going to have to budget it in and plan it so that I can get there. Do not be the person that says, look at this beautiful building. we just got to keep the lights running. God does not need you to keep the lights running in this building. But He wants you to sense and feel in your life the impact of a person who is learning to exercise their faith through an attitude of giving.